0: our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, amen. The text for our devotion is the gospel lesson which was previously read from John chapter eight. Well, there we are. Brothers and sisters in Christ, on Reformation Day, we remember Martin Luther and the battle he fought in and for the gospel. It's good for us to remember that history and to understand our heritage as Lutheran Christians. Yet what gives us life today is not Luther's history but the very word of cross and and resurrection that became life to him. Jesus calls this word the truth that makes us free And Luther points to it in the 62nd of his 95 theses where he writes, the true treasure of the church is the most holy gospel of the glory and grace of God. Today we want above all to lay hold on that treasure and not let ourselves be distracted into simply reminiscing about our history as though our glory lay there. It's possible to celebrate our history in such a way that the very gospel that gave that history its unique character is obscured. We see something like that happening in our text. When Jesus says the truth will make you free, The Pharisees reply, we are descendants of Abraham and have never been in bondage to anyone. Obviously, they're remembering their history all the way back to Abraham. And there's a lot of recitation in that that history. The patriarchs, the exodus, the wilderness, the promised land, David in the kingdom, exile and return. There's even a fierce pride in that history a spirit of defiance that refuses to acknowledge the many tyrannies that have oppressed the Jews through the centuries. We have never been in bondage to anyone, they arrogantly protest. In fact, the Jews were conquered by just about every army that tramped across the Near East. But pride in their history distracts them, closes their ears and hearts. They don't want Jesus' word They exalt the history itself above the word that made that history uniquely God's. It's as though we were to celebrate the Reformation today by boasting, I am a Lutheran. Better still, a Lutheran of the Missouri Synod, as if that accident of history defined our eternal identity. Then we would remember how Martin Luther in 1517, nailed the 95 theses to the church door in Wittenberg, how he fought for the truth of the gospel, defying both Pope and Emperor, boldly saying, here I stand. Then we would remember how in 1839, a little band of Saxon immigrants fled religious oppression in Germany and arrived in Perry County, Missouri. How they struggled with hardship, treachery, and self-doubt. How a young pastor named C.F.W. Walther emerged as their leader and became the first president of the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod. All this and more we would remember with pride and then when Jesus calls us to remember to continue in my word, we would reply, well, okay, I guess. Okay, we say, as if there was nothing left really to discover about the word or its application to our lives. Somehow our history, maybe because we don't really know it very well, seems more pertinent and interesting. We don't want to hear his word or search it further. We do not pause to wonder why that word is so scandalously offensive to our natural hearts or how its truth creates our freedom. And so our history can become a distraction from the very word of our living Lord, a word we still need to hear today for our freedom and our life. The root of the problem is not our history. It's our sin. When Jesus saw the same thing happening among the Pharisees in our text, he told them, truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who commits sin is a slave to sin. (coughs) As the conflict between Jesus and the Pharisees unfold, you begin to see what their sin is. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand, Jesus had said. But they don't want a kingdom that calls them to account. In my family, <coughs> there's a saying that goes back to my niece as a three-year-old who got herself into, into mischief. Oh, you're a good man. Got him, herself into mischief. rummaging through drawers she had no business being in when confronted by her with her misdeed by my mother she replied I don't want to talk about naughty (laughs) neither do these Pharisees want to talk about naughty at least not their naughty now Jesus behavior is another matter they'll talk about that They don't want a kingdom that challenges their self-ascribed superiority. But Jesus would make even the most atrocious sinner a full participant in God's family. The Pharisees protested this violates the law, perverts all justice, and makes tax collectors and prostitutes equal in stature to those who have dedicated their lives to serving God and keeping his commandments. So they will not hear Jesus' word. Instead, they accuse him of blasphemy. They call him devil-possessed and a Samaritan, a half-breed Jew whose impure Galilean blood must surely account for his mixed-up theology. And when they cannot silence Jesus any other way, they plot to kill him. For it is easier, more desirable, to destroy Jesus and be rid of his word rather than listen, repent, and find forgiveness and freedom in the mercy of God. That is their sin. It enslaves them. And in the end, it excludes and kills them. He who commits sin is a slave to sin, Jesus says. And the slave does not continue in the house forever. Ultimately, what stands in the way of their hearing Jesus is not their history, but their sin, which finds in their history the excuse it needs to shut out the word of God. But when you understand how their sin enslaved them, you begin to see how this very same sin works to deceive, enslave, and kill you, too. It is sin that compliments you on your great wisdom and enthrones you as judge over God's word. Open your eyes, says the devil. You don't need God's word. You don't need Bible study. Judge for yourself what is advantageous and desirable. Or again, the devil, Jesus calls him a liar and murderer from the beginning, says, Be smart. Surely God asks too much when he asks you to love and serve sinners, to include in the church even those who aren't our kind of folks, who aren't as devoted as we are. It's too much to be asked to give of your first fruits, to take up your cross and follow Jesus. Don't Don't listen to such word of God. Huh? Act on your own wisdom and yet again it is sin that says ha ha now you have fallen and become guilty but you must never confess it the thing to do is to cover it up and and justify yourself if you're exposed you will lose everything that is the voice of sin and it is terribly persuasive we listen to it far more readily than to the word of God, but that voice enslaves us, demands a lifetime of service, and finally pays its wages in death. <coughs> those, who live by the, the word, <coughs> those who live by the word and wisdom of sin will find it altogether futile to cry when judgment comes but we are descendants of Abraham, or we are Lutherans of the Missouri Senate. There is no saving power in the grandeur of our history. He who commits sin is a slave to sin, and the slave does not abide in the house forever. Are you ready to hear and search it now? word that set Luther free the word that our synodical fathers treasured and wanted to preserve also for our sakes if you continue in my word then you are truly my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will make you free listen to the word God is speaking to your heart the word Jesus proclaims and which he fulfilled and sealed forever when he gave himself into death on the cross. God has said it to you once and for all in your baptism. You are mine. I know you by name. No matter how worthless you may feel or how guilty or ashamed, know this, that I see in you only the righteousness of my son whose name you bear. And that word goes on, yet if you are high and mighty in this world, do not be deceived either. The admiration of the world gives you no advantage in my sight. The only real and eternal worth you have is that which I have given you freely out of the cross of my son and by my word and spirit. That alone is your glory. You begin to see how the word of God is truth against all the lies and sin of the devil. It frees you from the judgments of men for the, from the need to compare yourself with anybody. You are a child of God. God's word of promise lifts you up and sustains you in the trials you face but also calls you down from every illusory height of arrogance. Yours is a life lived in his gracious truth, lived in the joyous freedom of the gospel. And as you continue in the freedom and joy of this gospel, you begin to see every neighbor, beginning with husband or wife, child, children or parents, but extending also to snowbirds and migrants and even those who seem to be your enemies, through the eyes Of Jesus love you seek the good of your neighbor and work to deliver him from evil even if the cost runs high just as your Heavenly Father seeks your good and delivered you when you were his enemy thus we show ourselves his disciples not only individually but also collectively as the church we did not choose one another the way we choose our friendships. We were given to one another by the same baptism, by the same faith. The unity of the church is not a matter of our compatibility, but of Christ's call. That becomes a challenge to make the brotherhood work. Jesus knew how hard it would be. It wasn't easy for him either. O faithless and perverse generation, he once said, how long shall I bear with you? How long shall I suffer you? But he bore with us and suffered us all the way to the cross. Therefore, when we know what it means to be his disciples, we will not readily judge or condemn one another or cut ourselves off from the brother or sister who sins and so becomes a slave to sin. Our call is not to weed God's field, but to build one another up. We know our enemy in that struggle, sin and the lies of the devil, but we also know our strength, the word of God, the gospel. That eternal word now fulfilled in the strange and scandalous glory of Christ's blood has been given us to believe and to proclaim for the freedom and life of the world. You shall know the truth, Jesus says, and the truth shall make you free. Free from fear, free from death, free from the judgments and threats of men, and so free to seek their good without concern for the consequences. The gospel, the true treasure of the church, the same treasure in which Luther and our synodical fathers found their eternal delight is ours. No wonder we rejoice. No wonder we celebrate the reformation which restored this truth to the world. For we recognize that the greatest reformation of all is the one the gospel continues to create in our hearts. Amen. Now may the peace of God, that peace which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Amen.